How's it going, everybody? This is Ryan Doze, your host for Across the Bifrost, where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. This is the Mighty Thor podcast, and I've just got to say, I am so glad to be back. Two weeks away was good, but I'm so glad that we are back today. The podcast is here to stay. We've got three straight weeks of episodes lined up for you that I'm going to talk about in just a little bit, but... Let's take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath because today we complete our second part of the episode with Ron Friends that was supposed to come out about a week ago, but thank you guys for understanding. It's coming out today. We have a few things to talk about before we get to the interview. So, few things you need to know about the podcast moving forward. So just if you need a, a pencil, write it down. If you need to write it down on your phone, if you just need to keep a mental note of it, here's some things you've got to know before we continue. We aren't going to be doing Thursday episodes anymore. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to release one episode a week. And then sprinkled throughout, we're going to do those throwback issues on our Monday episodes. So the podcast is going to come out every Monday with a brand new episode, brand new content, Thor related, exploring his world for you to enjoy. Monday is going to be the day you want to listen to the episodes. Then throughout the week, we'll throw stuff out on social media about what's coming up, but we're only going to be doing one episode a week. So keep that in mind. Monday is super important for the podcast. Then I want to start giving you guys more modern, present, future content for Thor. I know we've been focusing a lot on the history of Thor, which is awesome. I've had so much fun deep diving into throwback issues and interviewing people that worked on the books forever ago. Uh, It's been a great time to look back in the past, but with movies coming out, Love and Thunder is a few hundred days away. We got to start looking forward. We got to start looking at what's coming out, what's ahead of us. So we're going to be doing some more Love and Thunder related content coming up soon. We're going to be looking at some movies. I know I really haven't focused a lot on the Marvel Cinematic Universe outside of the Loki TV show. We're going to start looking at Thor movies. We're going to do some top five lists and then sprinkled in throughout, we're going to do more throwback stuff. So a little bit of a mixture of past and present and future. I hope you enjoy it. And then next week, next week, we're going to do a little bit of both. We're going to look back at two more issues of our Throwback Thor series with a friend of ours that's going to come back. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. You'll find out which awesome special guest we're going to come back with you. We're going to come back at you with next week. And we're also going to look at the newest issue of Thor, the one that's going to come out on the 25th, just this Wednesday. We're going to look at that issue next week. It's going to be great. So you're going to get a little bit of old, a little bit of new. Maybe you can compare the two, see which one you like better. We're going to do that on next week's episode. But today, today we have the second part of our interview with Ron Friends. It is going to be a fantastic time. You're going to enjoy it so much. He takes us deep within the creative process of working on the mighty Thor. So I hope you're ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for the part two of our talk with Ron Friends? (laughs) 
well, and, and I think it's, I think it's a testament to, you know, like when, when, uh, you know, Lee and Kirby and, and, and all the creators that are building these characters you know, way back in the sixties, obviously I wasn't in the room, but I've been reading them. I'm just like, they take something as simple as a sibling rivalry and they make it this, they blow it up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Heroes. Oh, in, fact, in fact, you, you would appreciate Tom DeFalco's whole take on Thor is that, um, you know, his, his attitude, uh, he, he firmly believes, and, and I think he's right, that a lot of Stan's early stuff was successful because one of the things that Stan brought to it was the family dynamic. For Spider-Man, you know, uh, Ditko and Lee were very savvy because what kids can understand, what kids can relate to is family, okay? I don't want to turn this into a Fast and Furious thing. <laughs> Best but, reference of the entire interview. <laughs> yeah, it's, we don't want we don't want this to be used in any of those memes that are driving everybody crazy. Stanley's Dom Toretto is what I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, but for Pete, it was his relationship with Aunt May. You know, kids can understand that. Kids can understand sacrificing for family. With Thor, Tom's whole take on it is Odin. Odin's got this great little family business, and his attitude is that. You know, he's got this great son, his, his number one son is going to grow up and he's going to take over the business. Everything's great with the world. But then, you know, his son gets out of hand. So he sends his son off to, you know, military school, basically. You know, he, he's going to straighten out his son by sending him to Earth and making him Don Blake for a while, right? But what that also does is it, it, it creates its own problems because then there's this girl, he meets this girl and he wants this girl that's not good for the family. That's not good for the family business. No, you don't, no, you don't want this girl. And he realizes that he, he created his own problems by sending him off to military school. And now Thor's his own person. That doesn't work. No. That's not the plan. Yes, that's not. Whoop. That's not the plan. That's exactly right. That's not the plan. So, you know, Tom has this wonderful family drama take on these huge mythological stories. And, you know, we finally did a story when uh, when Asgard, when the bridge was destroyed and Asgard was falling into the negative zone. And it was believed, all the characters believed, rightfully so, that they may never see each other again. And Odin came to a realization, which was, you know, it was always his hope that Thor would, would grow up and take over the throne and, and be good for Asgard. But, you know, he, Odin finally recognized, with Sif's help, that Thor's ambitions were greater than that, that Thor will now light a torch that will, you know, emblazon and, and shine its light on the entire multiverse you know he's he's bigger than asgard he's got he's got bigger fish to fry than just asgard yeah and and that's something else that they i thought they captured in the movies quite well you know that he really he came to realize that being a king means compromise and it means making tough decisions that He'd, at one point, he says, I'd rather be a, 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 a good man than a great king. That's a great one. And, and he, he, you know, that's 
those things were all there in, in those original stories. You know, those, those were the kinds of decisions that Thor was making for himself. You know, even past Jane Foster and everything is that he's seeing the bigger picture uh, and, uh, you know, understands how important it is that Asgard be kept safe and everything. I mean, our original plan with, um, with Thunderstrike, uh, it, for, for one brief instant, there was talk that we were going to stay on Thor and do Thor and Thunderstrike. Very brief before <laughs> sanity took hold, right? <laughs> if we had attempted that, Thor was going to marry Sif and take the throne because he now had Eric on Earth as Thor okay. to, take, to take care of Earth. And our intention was, which is not, you know, was not the intention of Jim Starlin and the people that later came on, came on Thor, which was their right. I mean, certainly you can't dictate what a creative team's gonna do. Um, but our original thought was he was gonna take the throne. He was gonna, everything was gonna be going great on Asgard and he was married to Sif and everything was hunky-dory, neato, fine. But then Loki was gonna return. And, and Loki was going to see what the new situation was. And, oh, I can have some fun with this because Thor's not protecting Earth anymore. I can make him regret these decisions. And he was going to kill Eric and Thor was going to realize I, I didn't have a right to draw a target on Eric. You know, I mean, it, it can't be anybody else's responsibility but mine to protect Earth. So he's good, he was going to leave Sif as the... Uh, what would it be, the regent, the, the queen? Yeah, the queen of Asgard. Asgard. Yeah, she was, she, was gonna be the, she was gonna be the seated queen and he was gonna head back to earth and, and split his time and, and take care of things on earth and uh, take care of Loki again. So, so that, that was all a big like Ron Friends, Tom DeFalco, what? That was the Ron Friends, Tom DeFalco big plan. That's why, that's why when Thunderstrike got canceled, um, it was never a question that Eric was not going to survive his interaction with mythology. You know, it was, it was never our intention to have Eric really survive this because he's just a guy, you know, I yeah. mean, he was going to get caught up in the cosmic gears and he was going to get chewed up one way or the other. So, uh, you know, when, when it came time and, and of course, Thunderstrike was not canceled. I always like to point out Thunderstrike was not canceled because of low sales. It was canceled because Ron Perlman's people decided to cancel half the line. Uh, okay. At the time Thunderstrike was canceled, it was selling very, very well. Um, but they weren't going to cancel Thor, so they canceled Thunderstrike. Okay. And then, of course, a couple of years later, and then, of course, a couple of years later with the Heroes Reborn thing with the Image guys, they canceled Thor. That pissed me off. <laughs> you know, they weren't going to cancel Thor when it came to, to keeping Thunderstrike, but they did cancel Thor a couple of years later when the image guys asked and they went, okay. So that was, that was irritating to say the least. Uh, but, you know, yeah. You know, that's... Before we get to, you know, canceling Thor on this episode, I was wondering if you could just, I mean, you've mentioned... Tom DeFalco this entire time and um, uh, listeners that don't know uh, I mean go, you guys worked on Spider-Man together you worked on Thor together um, he's you guys have done so many you know great things apart and together can you just like put us in like what what is your guys's relationship like you know 
working back then, you know, as a creative team and maybe even up to now, you know, what is your relationship with Tom like? Uh, well, professionally, it's very give and take. Um, you know, whoever has the seed of the idea, we have, we have a conversation. And if Tom's got, you know, if it's established, we're going to work together on this project, then it's okay. Okay. Do we have any ideas? Yes, we have, I have this idea. What do you think of that? And, and we both start contributing. We both have a, you know, we have a discussion on Spider-Man. We had long talks about who Peter Parker was and how Peter Parker feels about things and how he feels about all his friends. And those would help form stories. On Thor, it was the same thing. You talk about the characters and you let the characters point you in the direction of, of stories. Um, you know, the, the, the best way for me to talk about it, I guess, is recently we did that Thor the Worthy thing. Uh, Which I wanted ago. to talk about as well. Okay. That was, a, you know, we had the opportunity. They contacted us. They said, how would you like to do a 10-page Thunderstrike story? And, they, and I said, are we going to do Kevin? Are we going to do 616 Kevin? Or are we going to do Eric? And they said, well, no, they want Eric. And I said, oh, okay. So we only 10 pages. We didn't have time to bring Eric back from the dead or anything like that. So we weren't going to do that. Uh, so Tom had an idea of placing it after the death of uh, Jock Jackson of Code Blue and you know kind of put it putting eric at a crossroads and his original idea was was actually very i don't know kind of modern in that his original idea was 10 pages of eric and uh, uh marcus stone the head of code blue talking in, in stone's office about uh about what happens next you know, about Eric thinking, maybe it's time for me to retire. I mean, because this whole idea that we could get killed doing this became very real when Jackson died. And we wanted to juxtapose that with no, with the reader knowing what happens to Eric, you know, that Eric ultimately ends up sacrificing himself. So we, we like the idea of placing him at that crossroads and telling a story as to why he might decide instead of quitting to stay. So you know, and he pitched this idea that, you know, we have a 10 page conversation. And I said, Tom, I can't let you. Do <laughs> I can't let you do that, Tom. I mean, everything you taught me about Marvel Comics is that we know we're not doing a 10 page conversation. They have to have this conversation for a page or a panel during a fight. We got to punch something. That's what, yes, that's what a Marvel <laughs> comic is. And he said, OK. Who do they fight? Do you have any ideas? Now, I always had, I had this idea in the back of my head for years of a Code Blue fighting uh, the Grey Gargoyle. Oh, okay. I, I had a couple of different ideas about how they might do that and, and, and uh, you know, how they could foil his stone touch and things like that. So I said, how about the, how about the Grey Gargoyle? We could use him, right? I mean, because lately he's only been used whenever there's like an army of supervillains, you know, you see him down there in the corner, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, the great girl down there. Yeah, so DeFoco said, yeah, we could, I think we can use him. We'll just have him break out of jail and then get captured at the end of it. I said, exactly, exactly. So uh, that's what we did. 
Um, and, you know, so we brought something to the table and then we started reading. Uh, we went back and reread the Thunderstrike stories from the time. And we put it all together as a 10 page story where, you know, Eric saves one person. Very intimately, he saves this one doctor and face to face, he keeps her from dying and realizes if nothing else, I'm helping to save people. So I'm going to keep doing this. And it, it ends with a smile. It ends with Eric smiling and saying, I'm, re I'm, I'm gonna do this. So yes, I'm scared, but I'm gonna keep doing this. And, you know, knowing that, you know, the reader knowing that maybe <laughs> that, that Eric ends up sacrificing himself, you know, at some point in the future. But, um, you know, that, that's how these stories come together is, you know, DeFalco brings one thing to the table. I bring something else to the table. We kick it back and forth and decide which, what's the better idea of, of the two or three that we have. And, and then we, uh, we start crafting it. DeFalco is a, is a terrific craft writer. He's, he sees this, he sees creating a comic book story as, as a craft, as do I, that it's not about grinding your creative acts and this is my Thor and this is how I want to do the character. It's about crafting a story that, that a reader can understand and enjoy and all the information is there for them. It's like creating, you know, a, a, a chest of drawers can be a beautiful piece of woodwork. But if the drawers don't open and close, it's not a chest, right? No. <laughs> a, belt, a belt can be a beautiful piece of leather craft, but it, if it doesn't have the little holes in them and it doesn't hold your pants up, it's not a belt. It's, nope. <laughs> so if the, you, know, you can create any, any kind of story and you can write anything you want and you can draw anything you want, but if it doesn't tell a coherent story, where people are entertained and they get to the end and go, oh, that was a neat story, then it, it's not a comic book. You know, I mean, it just, it didn't function. It didn't serve its function. So in that way, I see comics more as a craft than as an art. Art is something that gets, that hits you on an emotional level, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And if some of our story, if our stories have hit you on an emotional level, fantastic, that's great. I'm really, really happy, but they have to hit you on that craft level first. You have to understand what's going on. You have to be engaged by the dialogue and by the characters, and you have to be clear on what's happening from panel to panel for you to enjoy the story. Once you enjoy the story, if you get to the end and it brings a tear to your eye or it makes you excited or happy or you laugh at a gag or whatever it is, then, then great, you know. But I don't really consider myself an artist. I believe that's something that it's other people need to determine that. I am an illustrator and I draw comic books for a living. You know, uh, that, that title of artist is something that I think should be, if somebody is affected by your work and they want to call you that, that's very flattering, but that's not the point, okay? The point is to tell a clear story as best you can. So, so in my, and by the way, in my book, Ron Friends is an artist because uh, one, of the, one of the first panels, <clears throat> so I did an episode a while back 
for my 4th of July episode. And I wanted to do something with Cap. I wanted to do like something significant between Thor and Cap. And I'm, I'm looking through, um, I'm looking through Marvel Unlimited. I'm looking through the internet. I'm like, none of this is really resonating with me. Like I get it. They were Avengers together. And what about the first time Cap lifted the hammer? Right. And I, stu- I stumbled upon Mighty Thor 390 and myself and a, uh, a Captain America podcaster, we, we came together and we did a crossover episode about first time Steve lifts the hammer. That entire issue between the writing and, 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 and the panel that I'm going to get to in just a second uh, that I'm actually looking at right now. But uh, the, the whole story is awesome because I, 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 I interpret it as a, a story about Thor and Steve's friendship. And how they like Thor does not in my in my experience with the character Thor does not like respect many people on the level that he respects Steve Rogers, and there's a there's a great conversation at the end where Thor says you know uh, you know you are most worthy among all mortals, um, and you know, talk about the bond that you know they share because they they both wielded the hammer. Right. There is a full page panel in this issue of of when steve like swings the hammer up and it is i mean it's one of my favorite panels i've come across in my in my you know ever expanding knowledge of thor and his world and uh i was wondering like during your time of 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 drawing thor do you have any like panels that you really like maybe worked hard at you know more than others or think ones that are significant to you um as as a creator uh probably too many too many to talk about here to tell you the truth right i've been very lucky i've uh, worked with great writers and uh you know defalco in particular and and i've been able to work on some you know some really terrific strips and great characters so i probably too many to mention um if we're going to keep this Thor, if we're going to keep this conversation Thor centric, one of the yeah. panels, the double page splash in Alone Against the Celestials, where we see Arishem and we we establish how big Arishem is, and then at the end of the one chapter, there's a double page splash where we see Arishem, and then you see the, the even bigger foot come down next to Arishem, which is uh, uh, the executioner, you know, the uh, the, the celestial executioner whose name escapes me at the moment. But anyway, the reason that I enjoyed that so much is because it, it, it served DeFalco's vision. Uh, that was Tom's idea. And, you know, he came up with the thought and he came up with the, uh, the, uh, the concept. And I was happy to adequately communicate that visually. Because, you know, it, that was a big important, that was going to be a two-part story until he came up with that as a cliffhanger. And the editor, Ralph Macchio, said, well, that has to be a cliffhanger, Tom. That, we can't have that happen in the <laughs> middle of a story. That has to be the end of one chapter. Yeah. And then we do another chapter. And Tom went, oh, okay. So he restructured it to make sure it was a three-parter. So that was, that was one of those moments that, you okay. know, it, the pressure was on and I wanted to make sure that I served the story as, as well as possible. The thing with Captain America is um, Walt had opened the door with Beta Ray Bill, of course, you know, yes. lifting the hammer and, and taking the, the writing on the side of the hammer at its word that, you know, if you're worthy, you can possess the power of Thor. And it was Brett Breeding 
who actually came up with the idea of, well, you know, if anybody in the Marvel Universe is worthy of lifting the hammer, it's got to be Steve Rogers, right? Well, yeah. And I went, I went, wow, that's kind of a neat idea. So, you know, I went, hmm. So the next time I was talking to DeFalco, we were working on, on, on a story where Thor had just come back from the God Wars. He had just come back from the, the Battle of the Pantheons. Yeah. And he was reconnecting with the Avengers. Um, and part of that was what was going on with Iron Man with the armor wars and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So he was taking back his tech. And uh, Grunewald and the Iron Man writer had done some stuff with Cap and Iron Man in conflict uh, with Steve as captain and all this. So what ended up dovetailing was Brett's idea that if anybody's worthy, it should be Steve. And the idea that uh, arguably two of the best friends in the Avengers were Tony Stark and Thor. Okay, they were the only ones for the for years and years. They were the only ones that knew each other's identity. If you if you are an old enough reader to know that, um, so they were always kind of written as the the the, the buds, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the Avenger Bros, that uh, they knew each other's identities and stuff. Uh, so the obvious thing would have been Thor throwing in with Tony. So we didn't want to do that. It was <laughs> because, too obvious. <laughs> because Tony, Tony was wrong. Um, so we needed something that would convince Thor that Steve was in the right. Um, now, one of my favorite, obviously, just told Thor that he got his Captain America identity taken away from him from the government, and he's not Captain America anymore. He's now he's just the captain. And we come in on this conversation where Thor's going, "What? That's crazy! We got to go overthrow these bums. So you know, I mean, <laughs> these guys. We need to throw these guys out and get your stuff back." And and Cap goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 no, whoa, <laughs> We're not going to overthrow the government, Thor. Okay, you know that kind of thing. So, uh, and, and so oh Thor is very conflicted. He doesn't understand. Iron Man's his oldest friend. How can these two guys? You know, he'd follow Cap into hell. How can these two guys be in conflict? What? What am I supposed to do about this? Because Thor's a doer. You know, he wants to fix yeah. things. You know? So, you know, it was it was perfect that. Brett had brought up this idea of him lifting the hammer because in the course of this fight, he sees Steve lift the hammer. He knows that, that Steve is worthy. So, you know, in much the same way they used it in the movies where Thor trusted Vision once he wielded the hammer and he had the, the soul stone, you know, he, it's safe with him. You know, if he can wield the hammer and all that kind of stuff. So we, we just came, we just brett just came up with it years before anybody else i mean he he's lifted it so many times since that yeah who knows what reference the movie was using when they decided to have him do it their their scene was fantastic i mean it was great and i set it up in ultron and all that kind of stuff you know so I, I, I have, I, on this podcast, I have defied people to try and give me a cooler moment from the, from the MCU. 
that one it gives me goosebumps to this day it's it's have you ever, like, ever seen have you ever seen the videos of the audience reactions when when all that i happened? was one of those people like in the sure, theaters, losing their well, damn minds it, it was slightly spoiled for me because i had people i didn't go see it opening weekend and i had people calling me going have you seen endgame yet and i'm like no no i haven't seen it yet Oh, you're going to like Endgame. There's a scene in there you're going to love. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, to the Subtle point where guys. I find it, is it done? Is it done the same way we did it? Because otherwise it could have been from the other five times. Exactly. Hammer, you know, that kind of thing. Um, because that was the same deal with uh, the, we, we did a, a Hercules three issue miniseries. That was the first time we saw the uh, shield helicarrier lift up, uh, lift off out of the water. Uh, I don't think anybody ever saw this Hercules miniseries, but it was a three issue miniseries. Uh, I don't forget what year it was, but it was during uh, it was during uh, Heroes Reborn. Okay, because the whole the whole point of the miniseries was Shield was trying to make the most of the heroes that were left, so they. Hercules uh, to to work for Shield, and for three issues he does. He goes on this one mission, and we we have this helicopter land on an aircraft carrier, you know, and they're just going, "Wow, this is a big aircraft carrier!" And then we have you know the Auga uh, Auga sirens go off and all this stuff, and we see the we see the propellers come up and deploy, and and it lifts up out of the water. I've always I've always been a big fan of the helicarrier, the Kirby's version of the helicarrier. And but but I've always looked at it and said, where does this thing land? It can't stay in the air forever. I mean, where no. does it land? And I went, oh wait a minute, it's an aircraft carrier. It lands in the water. So we were the first ones to do that. So when it happens in the Avengers, I kind of went, oh that's cool. Um, but then somebody also mentioned to me after the fact that it, that they did it in the uh, the Ultimates. In the Ultimates, they showed a helicarrier lifting okay. up on the water. So who knows? Uh, they might have come up with it themselves, or they, they might have seen it from uh, from the Ultimates, but they didn't necessarily see that Hercules miniseries, which, like I said, unfortunately, not, apparently not a lot of people did. But talk uh, about a guy who just can't yeah, see in his own run. <laughs> great mind, great minds think alike. Absolutely. Uh, so before we kind of wrap up here, uh, I just want to like your time writing Thor. Like you said, it was six or seven years writing. We, largely with uh, with Tom DeFalco, did you guys have like a favorite story you guys did where you're like this, like where you guys looked at and like, okay, this is us at our best with Thor? Hmm. No. Okay. I, I, I'd i be hard pressed to, to pick something like that. I do have favorite stories. I mean, um, what the, issue where, the issue where Thor kills Loki is one of my favorites. That was a, that was like extra sized and, uh, you know, Code Blue was involved, and, and you know, Thor actually had a conversation with Marcus Stone, where you know he said, "Thor, I, I witnessed you kill somebody. There's got to be, you know." And he's and Thor shakes his hand and says, uh, "I have to." I, he says, "I'm going to face the justice of the gods for that. Uh, if I survive that, I will come back to face your justice." And, and Marcus Stone says, I believe you will. And he shakes his hand and he leaves. And that's when he is uh, banished and, uh, and Eric takes over. And by the time Thor makes it back to Earth, 
it's already known that Loki's still alive. So he never did have to, he, you know, Code Blue never had to put the cuffs on him because uh, Loki wasn't really dead. But uh, Thor did intend to kill his brother. He, he, it was a moment for Thor where he finds, I, I would have been very curious to have them meet again by Tom and I, because once Thor has made the decision to kill Loki, Loki's not going to want to face Thor again. Because Loki always counted on the fact that Thor would never do that. That Thor would never kill. Even in that issue, Thor, Loki says, stop being ridiculous. You're not going to do anything. You're going to take me to Odin, and Odin's going to banish me, and then we're gonna, just going to do the same dance all over again. All over again. To the point where Loki, Loki arrogantly tries to kill Marcy Masterson and Kevin, and Susan takes the shot. You know, that kind of thing. And when Thor sees that, he just says, no, I'm done. I'm done. This, no. And he kills his brother. Uh, he chooses to kill his brother to end this, which is, you know, a lot of people would like to see Batman finally do that with the Joker, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it becomes this, it becomes a discussion about what is, what is a hero and what would a hero do and, and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah. you know, frankly, Sometimes a hero is the person who's going to take the hit. Is a hero is the person who will be the sin eater for everybody else and make that tough decision and shoulder that. You know, um, and, you know it's it's true. I mean, how many people is the Joker going to kill? That you know, how many people is Loki going to hurt? That it, it's already on Thor's. You know, because in that in the course of that fight, Loki's even saying. All of this is your fault. Everything I've ever done is your fault. It's because the only reason I bother Earth is because you love it so much. So this is all on you. And, and, and a lot of that, you know, was hitting Thor hard. You know, I mean, it's like, I love this guy. He's my brother, but son of a bitch. He's pushing and pushing and pushing. <laughs> and he finally, you know, finally, Thor makes the decision. I... Odin may banish me. Odin may hate me for the rest of my life. This might put me in an Asgardian prison for the rest of my life, but this has to end. Now, what was interesting is Loki, you know, we, we told a fairly convoluted story where Loki knew it was going to happen, so he made arrangements to survive it, okay, uh, because we did a little time travel thing and all that kind of stuff, and it was actually, I thought it worked out really well, but he's not going to want to face Thor again. Now that Loki knows that Thor's going to pull the trigger, he's going to avoid Thor like the plague. <laughs> like so, you know, that illegal. was left to other writers to worry about that. I, I don't know if any other writer ever referenced that again or not. But if we would have had Loki, if we would have had Loki come back, it would have been, the, the relationship between them would have been very, very different because Loki was not going to take chances with Thor anymore, you know. So in, in your opinion, um, kind of uh, maybe asking yourself to be a, a little a little less humble. In your opinion, <laughs> what a what mark did Ron Friends leave on the Thor mythos? None. 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 I no. I I'll tell you. I'll tell you one of the ways you know that, that Falco and I did not make a mark on the. I mean, the mark we made is Ryan. If you you enjoyed those stories then thank you i'm glad you enjoyed the stories if they made you smile for five minutes that's the mark we made 
but the way I the, the way I know we didn't really make a mark is that there have been three Thor movies going on four, and Tom DeFalco and I have never shown up in the end credits with special thanks to. Oh, that's a shame. the only movie. The only the only movies we've shown up with special thanks to are Ant Man and the Wasp because we named Hope Pym from A Next. Uh, you know, we had we had Hank and uh, and Janet have twins, and they were Hank Jr. and and Hope, and they used okay. that name for 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 Hope Pym. That's the reason. That's the reason we get a thank you you in Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp, and that's the reason we get a thank you in Endgame. We don't get a thank you because of cap lifting the hammer. We get a thank you because everybody who got a thank you in all the other movies gets the thank you in Endgame because all of the characters show up in Endgame, right? So there have been three Thor movies and not a single one of them has mentioned DeFalco and I. So I, I can't, you know, I mean, Walt has earned that and he's had a, you know, and, and, Tom and I were doing what we were doing with, you know, trying to keep that Lee Kirby vibe. That was enough for us. You know, we, we paid the rent for seven years, six or seven years. Uh, and, and it gave us Eric Masterson and it gave us Thunderstrike and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I, I can't, I can't read, reminded me of the stuff we did. You know, a lot of people were having trouble with like the Asgardians having laser cannons and all that kind of stuff. But that was Kirby, man. That that's that's we brought that stuff back because that, that was Kirby. Um, and, and that scene where Vandra is on the uh, the skiff with them, right? And they say, "Yeah, we're going to need you to get rid of the guy who's following us." And he grabs the rope and he says, "Our Asgard," and jumps off. That was us, you know. I mean, we, but that was also Lee and Kirby, so. There was a lot of stuff like that that really reminded me of our run. But obviously, if they if it would have been because of our run, they would have given us a credit, and they didn't. So you know, I I really don't feel like there is a major impact. I, I, if, if anything, for the people that love the character, when I do conventions, I'm still always amazed how many people love Derek and how many people love Thunderstrike. Because as I said, it was selling great when it got canceled. And he was only around for two years, but all these years later, I get people coming up to me all the time and saying how Thunderstrike was their favorite character and they love Eric. And when is Eric coming back, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So if well, I, I mean, you know, for fans, I would have to say, I, I would have to say the things we did that have the most resonance were being the first ones, thanks to bread breeding, being the first ones to have Cap lift the hammer and Eric you know, becoming Thunderstrike, uh, I think were really the only things that people can remember. And so, no, I, I don't think we made like a, I, I, when you look at Thor today, when you look at the Spider-Man stories that are being done today, there, there, there's nothing in there that, you know, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends came in and somehow, you know, shifted the topography or the gravity or anything of the character or anything. We just, we just came in and we served the character for the time we were on the book and uh, and then we weren't on the book anymore, you know, and uh, if you enjoy the stories, that's uh, that's the only impact I really need to have. You know? I, I think that like that speaks to, you know, the enduring uh, nature of comics. Like, uh, I know for me, like 
I can remember the first, you know, the first comic book I got when I was eight years old at a Scholastics book fair. It was a, I mean, in hindsight, it was an okay issue of Iron Man, but like, right. it, like, was it spectacular? No. Like in the grand scheme, was it Armor Wars, Extremist? No, you know, it, it wasn't, but I, I loved it because it was mine and, and it resonated with me. And I know, um, you know, I hope that listeners go and, and I will encourage them to go and seek out, you know, some of these issues that are, you know, have become special to me. I mean, the, 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 the issues that fell over on my wall, um, those are, those are, you know, ones that, uh, I was looking through and they just, they caught, they caught my eye, they caught my attention. I, I opened them up and I was like, okay, I, I'm really going to enjoy this. Um, and I can't wait to like go back through your, you know, your team's run and, and dig more in depth. Like I didn't even get to touch touch like black galaxy saga in this you know in this uh interview i didn't get to touch you know uh, other other aspects of of what you guys did but i appreciate it i appreciate your time um most most importantly and i just wanted like as we're as we're you know transitioning out of our our chat what you know what are you working on right now how can fans you know listening to this podcast reach out to you and support you well i'm on facebook uh, just as Ron friends and but we just talk about the business and if, you know you can interact with me there if you have a question that uh, that Ryan didn't cover you know I mean but uh, so I, I try to stay active there um, and then I uh, I do com- uh, commissions through catskillcomics.com uh, one word and uh, you know you can find links on my Facebook page all the time that's where I do commissions and sell any original art I have. Most of it's gone. Um, and as far as new projects, as I said, I'm working with this author called Binge Books out of California. And we have a, uh, uh, we've just finally uh, are going to be releasing our material through Diamond, finally. Oh, cool. In all the comic, in all the comic shops. So pre-orders are, are over, unfortunately. But uh, on August 4th, we'll be launching uh, through Diamond with the heroes union okay is there any is there anything you can tell us about that project which will be uh, a new by roger stern penciled by me and inked by salbacema it introduces uh, a new bunch of superheroes to uh, to a hopefully waiting world and uh, it's going to be fun it's the the publisher darren henry is a child of the 70s uh, okay. He was a big fan. Of, he was a big fan of '70s Marvel, and uh, those are the kind of comics he loves. Those are the kind of comics I love, and uh, so it's that kind of thing. It's not going to be dark and gritty. It's going to be fun. It's going to be adventure with very human characters with feet of clay, and you may get a new favorite character or characters out of the deal. It's four ninety nine for sixty some pages, so oh it's gosh. three times the size of a regular comic for the same price. That's value so you, there. Yeah, you can't go wrong. If at the very least, you're gonna get a fun story done by trained professionals who, who know what they're doing. So you may not like it, but it won't be crap, okay? It'll be, it'll just be really good stuff that you just didn't like. That's the review you um, need to put out. Yeah, you try. exactly. Exactly. Call call your local comic shop, and if they haven't ordered enough of them, maybe they can still 
reorder. I don't know how that works, but it comes out August 4th and uh, we're eager to get it in front of the public and see what they think. And there will be other releases, solo uh, titles of the characters in the Heroes Union. And uh, it's, a, it's a neat, really fun new superhero universe that Darren has, uh, has created that I've helped design and everything. And uh, I'm very proud to be a part of it. So you know, if you've enjoyed the stuff that DeFalco and I have done over the years, there's a really, really, really good chance you're gonna enjoy the Heroes Union and these other books. Well, you just you just sold one copy right here, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Um, Acme Comics in Sioux City, Iowa. You better have my copy ready. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, they did order it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Ron, thank you again for uh, joining us today. Um, really appreciate your time, uh, and uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll get to see you down the road sometime. Right. It's been a pleasure. That does it for this episode of the podcast, everybody. We hope you enjoyed part two of our conversation with Ron Friends. He was a delight and a pleasure to talk to. Just pick his brain about the creative process that went into the Mighty Thor comic back in the day. We talked about Thunderstrike. We talked about Tom DeFalco. Talked about so many other things. And really, we could have talked for a lot longer. But hopefully, maybe in the future, we can have Ron back on the show. That would be an honor as well. Don't miss next week's episode. If you enjoyed this week's episode, you're not going to want to miss next week because next week we're bringing back Dan the Articulator, our friend of the podcast. He is going to talk two more issues of Journey into Mystery on our Throwback Thursday series. So, reminder, we are only releasing on Mondays now. I'm trying to stay manageable and I'm trying to stay consistent with uh, one episode a week. We're going to try that for a while, see how that goes, but Dan is going to come back and talk about the first appearance of Amora the Enchantress, a very important Thor villain. We also get to see the Executioner. It's going to be a great time. We had a lot of fun in that conversation. So if you want to see more of Across the Bifrost on your social media, on your podcast feed, be sure to go rate, review, and subscribe the show on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you can find the show. Go there, support us in that way. And if you want to talk with us about the show, go follow us at Mighty Thor Podcast. So like I said at the beginning, we changed up the handle a little bit just so that uh, people know more about the show when they see our handle and then they can go to our page and see, oh, it's called Across the Bifrost. It's the Mighty Thor podcast. It's where I go to for all things Mighty Thor. Oh, I understand it. I get it now. We just wanted to make it a little bit simpler for people to latch on to the show and probably just find us easier. That's really just the pragmatic reason why we changed it up a little bit, but Everybody, I am so happy to be back. I love this show. I love doing this. It's a it's a passion project for me. So thank you for listening to this episode. I really do hope you enjoy them. If you enjoy them, be sure to go do all the th- all the things, the rating, the reviewing, the subscribing, the follow us on, on social media. Just tell us what you're liking about the show so we can provide a show that is quality and that you enjoy. Until we see you next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge, I just want to remind you, You got to stay worthy. You got to stay worthy, friends. No matter what you're doing, work hard at it, enjoy it, play hard, work hard, and stay worthy.